God in three persons, blessed Trinity. Um, Northside has a very rich legacy when it comes to the uh, music in our church, and I'm just glad that we uh, were able to go into our archives and uh, share with you some of the music that has blessed us in the past uh, this week. Happy Sabbath. Uh, so good to see you all, or to be with you all. <laughs> I'm looking out, and uh, I see a, a few faces uh, here. Our tech team is with us, and uh, if you can, um, why don't you just uh, clap and put your hands together for our tech team and the rest of the participants um, in our worship service today. Um, it is an honor to serve you and to bring you our worship service uh, every week. Uh, we certainly look forward to the day uh, when we will not be virtually together, uh, but we will be together face to face. And if you agree with that, why don't you just type in, amen, amen. Um, uh, I want to also uh, give a special shout out uh, to a birthday girl who I know is watching from California. Uh, I want to say happy birthday to my mom. Amen. Uh, happy birthday, mom. And I uh, went on Facebook this morning and saw that uh, uh, it is also Nathan's birthday, Nathan Briggs. So, Nathan, uh, you, you share a birthday with my mom, so uh, you're a cool dude, cool dude, man. And I'm just uh, thankful uh, that God has seen fit uh, for you all to have another birthday. My mom is the greatest mom in the world. And I'm just uh, blessed to have been uh, raised by her and nurtured uh, by her. Um, also, tomorrow, tomorrow is my son's birthday. Uh, and so we are excited about that. Uh, he's going to be seven years old. And uh, we just give God glory uh, that he has uh, seen fit to bring my son uh, to uh, this milestone. So we just give God glory uh, for that. Um, at this time, I just want to encourage you to uh, take your Bibles and uh, uh, go to the book of um, go to the book of Psalms, Psalms, the 136th division of Psalms, Psalms 136, and uh, there we're going to. Uh, look at a scripture together um, in Psalms 136. Let me just pull it up here. Um, one of the challenges here with not having a physical Bible is sometimes uh, this app acts up, but here we go. Psalms 136, and uh, oh, uh, we have it there on the screen. Psalms 136, and uh, that is from the New International Version, so I'm going to switch to that. And uh, it says there, Psalms 136, and I'm going to read, I think verses 1 through 8 is what I'm going to read um, here in your hearing. Uh, we are um, entering a new uh, sermon series before you, Untie the Knot. Um, there are some knots that are tied, some folk that have been, uh, that are married, that are, uh, that are going through rocky times, but uh, there are some things that I want to say to you before you untie the knot. And so let's go to Psalms 136, verse 1. The word of God says, us, says to us, Give thanks to the Lord, for he 
is good. His love endures forever. Give thanks to the God of gods. His love endures forever. Give thanks to the Lord of lords. His love endures forever. And to him who alone does great wonders, his love endures forever. Then verse 5, who by his understanding made the heavens. And then the psalmist says once again, his love endures for how long? Forever. Who spread the earth, spread out the earth upon the waters, his love endures forever. Verse 7, who made the great lights, his love endures forever. The sun to govern the day, his love endures forever. And then verse 9, the moon and the stars to govern the night, his love endures forever. Uh, That is the word that God has for us today. And in a few moments, you'll see how this verse connects to uh, the marriage and dating uh, relationship uh, in a few moments. Let's go to God in prayer. Heavenly Father, um, right now, Lord, we are uh, going uh, to you, Father, in prayer. And we are asking, Father, uh, that your spirit would speak to us uh, at this time. Uh, Father, we are, we, we're, we're coming to you because uh, we need to hear a word from you right now uh, in this season. And Father, we are praying uh, that you would show up and that you would speak to us. And then, Father, I pray that uh, you would take these feeble lips and use them to declare your word. Um, and I, pr- I pray, Father, that uh, your word would not return void. And, and, and Father, this morning, um, what you have told me in secret, Father, I just, I, I just want to be faithful to you and proclaim to the rooftop what you have whispered in the ear that you have told us to proclaim on the rooftop. And so, Father, right now, I, I just want to proclaim your word with boldness. And, Father, I pray that you would take away uh, anything that is within me that would prevent your word from going forward today. Uh, we pray, Father, for this. Uh, this is our earnest desire. This is our earnest plea. In the name of Jesus the Christ, we do pray. Amen and amen. Um, I once read that every marriage should be filled with sunshine. And I believe that is a powerful statement that is true. That, that every marriage should be filled with sunshine. I, I just believe that, that every marriage should be filled with rays of light that, that, that touch uh, everyone in the home. Every marriage should be filled with rays of hope and joy and gladness. This is how the, the rays that are in the home should touch us like the rays of the sun reach out and warm up every heart. This is 
how it should also be in marriage, that, that there should be warmth, that there should be tenderness, that there should be joy that reaches out to everyone and, 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 and touches that marriage in a very special way. This is the, the kind of atmosphere that we desire. We know that this is a self-evident true statement because we all know that this is what we want. This is our earnest desire. We, we all want to love and, and we all want to um, experience love. And, and, so, and so this statement we know to be true that, that every home should be an atmosphere that is filled with excitement. Marriage should be the, the, the greatest adventure that, that, that we have ever gone on. Yet, you know the reality to be true that, that if we were honest today, that every home is not filled with sunshine. We know that every marriage is not filled with sunshine. The, the reality is that, that in many marriages there is a, a darkness instead of sunshine. There is anger instead of happiness. There is heartache and there is pain. There is coldness and there are storms that fill the air. And, 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 and what makes it worse? To, to complicate matters is that there are people that are ashamed to admit that they are experiencing challenges, storms, and difficulties in their marriage. You, 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 you know, the, the, the reality is that, that, that every couple faces storms, every couple faces difficulties, but, but, but there is a tendency to be embarrassed by the challenges the difficulties and the, the, the bumps that we go through in our relationships. And, 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 and not only that, there are some who even understand that, that there are challenges, that there are trials and bumps and bruises that you go through in relationships. But even those who understand this, some of them are even overwhelmed by the challenges that they face. And and, and it goes to, to feel that, that the marriage challenges are, are completely overwhelming. And to add to that, we're in a pandemic. And in the middle of this pandemic, there are, are, are definite challenges when it comes to marriage. Um, uh, uh, I read one writer that uh, talked about the the challenges that, that, that are going on as a result of the pandemic. You see, uh, we know that the number one, I'm going to repeat this, the number one reason for divorce are financial issues. That's the number one reason that leads to divorce. And, and did you know that, that, that since the pandemic has started, there are over 44.2 million people who have filed for unemployment. 44.2 million people have filed for unemployment. And, and, and here's what we need to understand. We need to understand that those are only the ones 
who have been able to get through and file for unemployment. In other words, there are millions of people who are still trying to get their unemployment. And there are 44.2 million people who have filed for unemployment. And then there are millions of others who have not been able to get through and, and get their unemployment. And so what this means is that there is now a stress that it's on our marriages. There, 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 there are stresses that people are experiencing and marriages are just barely hanging on by a thread. To complicate this, the pandemic has made it so that there is actually no relief. You see, a couple months ago, when, when, when you were having some issues in the home, you, you, you had the privilege of, 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 of going out of the house and going to work for a few hours, going to the job, going to the office, just to be able to get away for a few hours. But with the challenges of the pandemic, uh, um, uh, uh, you can't get away from the, for a few hours. You're stuck in the house with her, and she is stuck in the house with you. I wish somebody was in this church to say amen at this time. And, and what that does is it adds and it complicates the issues and the challenges that, 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 that people experience in their marriages. This is the, the, the issues that are going on. And so there are real challenges. And so because of this, for the next few weeks, we're, we're going to be diving into this thing called marriage. We're going to go on a journey together, and I, I, I pray that your marriage will be strengthened. I, I, I pray for those marriages who, who, who are in the ICU, the intensive care unit. My prayer for you is that, is that your, your marriage would be nursed back to health. And, and, and for those marriages that are hanging on by a thread, I, I, my prayer is that the thread would be sewn back together and you will be made whole. Here is what I believe. I believe that there is uh, 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 no remedy, no, no human relationship that is too broken. Look at this. This is one of my favorite quotes. It says, nothing is so entangled. And if you could go to the screen, it says, nothing is so entangled that it cannot be remedied. No human relationship is too strained for God to bring about reconciliation and understanding. There is no habit so deep-rooted that it cannot be overcome. No one is so weak that he cannot be made strong. No one is so ill that he cannot be healed. No mind is so dull that it cannot be made brilliant. Whatever we need, if we trust in God, he will supply it. If anything is causing worry or anxiety, let us stop rehearsing the difficulty and trust God for healing, love, and power. This is what I believe. In other words, I believe that there is still hope even if your marriage is hanging on by a thread, even if there are challenges and even if there are difficulties. I want you to know that there is still hope. So before you untie the knot, I hope that you'll go with me through this series. So for the next few weeks, I want you to know that I'll be preaching, but I have something special in store for you. At the end of the month, the marriage and family directors from the Northeastern Conference of Seventh-day Adventists, that is Baldwin and Pollyanna Barnes, they're going to be with us on the last Sabbath 
of this month. And, and there is going to be an afternoon presentation, a panel discussion or, or, or an interview that, that is talking about marriage. And, and then after that, I want you to know that it even goes higher because on the 15th, I believe it is, of September, we are going to have a marriage seminar by a, a gentleman by the name of Mark Gunger. Some of you all have probably heard about him. He, he does this seminar that's called Laugh Your Way to a Better Marriage. And, and I encourage all of our couples to sign up and, and be a part of that seminar that is going to be on the 15th, excuse me, the 19th of next month. And so that there are some exciting things that are in store for us. But today, today I want to talk to you about what I believe is the biggest problem in marriage. Actually, it's the biggest problem when it comes to relationships, dating and, and, and engagement. I believe that it's the, the biggest problem, and the biggest problem is that we do not understand what love really is. You see, we've been duped. We've been duped into um, understanding love from the perspective of Hollywood. And because we understand love from the perspective of Hollywood, we are missing out on understanding the biblical view of love. And today, I want us to dig into the Word and to be able to understand the biblical view of love because it's at that point where we will find some principles or, 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 or a very important principle that will help us in our marriages. You see, we've been duped into this, this, this Hollywood idea of love. You, 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 you can uh, uh, imagine it with me. He, he, here's how it goes. You know, um, the, the, the Hollywood view of love. You see, uh, the music is playing. Can you see the movie? Uh, it, it happens in all the movies, right? The music is playing. And, and as they are walking down the road, come on now, uh, both of their eyes just suddenly hit each other. Come on now. And, and, and as their eyes suddenly hit each other, it is at that point where their eyes meet each other and the music is playing in the background that, that, that their eyes meet and they suddenly know that they are destined for each other and they fall madly in love because their eyes just met at the right moment. This is the Hollywood view of love. And let me tell you, this, this thing is deep when it comes to the, the Hollywood view of love. I mean, it, it, it's so deep that this week I was actually talking to my daughter and, and, and she actually asked if that is the way that it works. Um, uh, she is what, 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 nine years old, and, and, and from just seeing the, the, the movies that she's watched over the years, her understanding, her mindset is being shaped about how love works, and I want to submit to you that, that we are just like big kids. Our, our mindset has been shaped about how love works, that there's just this southern flick of the moment where, where there's this spark that just happens. And, and, and because you see each other, then you fall in love. Or maybe it's like this. Uh, you've, perhaps you've seen this in, in, in some other movies or read it in some other novels. The, the rain is falling. Y'all, some of y'all have seen um, Sweet Home Alabama. The, the rain is falling. 
And as the rain is falling, then, then, then they suddenly run towards each other. And, and as they run towards each other, they embrace each other and, and they give each other a kiss. And it's that kiss that lets them know that this is the one that is for me. Or maybe you've seen the, the third version, the lifetime version of how love works. You, you somehow end up in a random uh, remote place, usually over a holiday, Thanksgiving or Christmas. And, and, and when you're there uh, over Thanksgiving or Christmas, um, uh, um, at first, this person is there that you don't like. You, you actually hate their guts, but by the end of the movie, you all find out that you are destined to be together, usually over Christmas uh, while drinking some hot chocolate by the fireplace. You, you, you realize that you're destined to be with each other. These are the various images of love. Now, and here's the thing. Here's the thing that I want us to understand. You see, the thing that I want us to understand is that Hollywood gives us a watered-down version of what love is. It gives us an incomplete picture of what love is. You see, the first thing I want us to understand is that as a church, we can, as the people of God, we cannot give up love. You see, you see, um, what ends up happening is that in so many marriages, see, Hollywood understands the romantic spark when it comes to love. And that is what they talk about. And too often, I believe, the church has given that up. The people of God have abandoned that. We have made love into being something that is dreary and, 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 and unromantic. Uh, but I want you to understand something today. I want us to understand something that God invented romance. Are y'all not with me today? <laughs> I want you to understand that God invented sex. God wants you to enjoy what he's created. And guess what? He didn't just uh, 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 make our bodies so that we can procreate. He made our bodies so that we would enjoy each other. That is what God has designed. And, and, and too often, too often, we, 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 we don't like to talk about sex. We, well, uh, it is as if in the church that, that, that we present it as if the stork is the one who brings the child to the family. Come on now. <laughs> That's how we present it. But the reality is that God made us social, emotional, and sexual beings, and we cannot abandon that. We cannot give that to Hollywood because what it does is it leaves our young people open to exploring improper ways of expressing their sexuality. We must understand that we are indeed socio-emotional beings. God wants us to enjoy sex. He just simply says, I want you to enjoy it in the right context. Because if you enjoy it in the right context, you're going to be blessed. <laughs> you're going you're gonna to enjoy life. You're, you're going to be satisfied. Matter of fact, do you know that the wise man says that you should be enraptured in your wife's breast at all times? Do you know that there is a book in the Bible that is 
uh, um, so adult that Jews won't even let their children read it. Do, do you know about a book called The Song of Solomon's? That it's so uh, mature that Jews won't even allow their children to read it. And guess what? It's in the Bible. So God has nothing against it. God wants us to experience romance. God has made us uh, um, emotional, social, and sexual beings. But on the other hand, I want us to understand that marriage is not about us being able to uh, um, uh, just have sex. Marriage is more than just being able to get a release. Marriage is more than simply having an orgasm. Uh, marriage is much more than that. And, and too often, this is what uh, um, uh, uh, Hollywood does, and this is what the entertainment industry does. It simply boils down um, uh, 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 a, 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 a relationship that God desires for us to have to simply feelings, to simply emotion. But what we must understand today is that love is so much more than that. And in order to understand what love really is, we must understand who God is because God is the source of love. Matter of fact, the Bible says it this way in 1 John. The Bible says that God is love. In other words, properly understood, we should see God as a God of love. You see, one of the challenges that we have today when it comes to properly understanding love, and, and, and by the way, if we don't understand who God is, and if we don't understand the love from a biblical perspective, it will affect our marriages because we will go into marriage with an improper understanding of the way that love works. We will be looking for things that we should not look for, and we will be expecting things that our partner could never give us. We must have a true biblical foundation when it comes to understanding what love really is. And there's a reason that we fail to understand what the Bible really says about love. It's because we have bought into this idea that the Old Testament and the New Testament present two entirely different gods. We see the God of the Old Testament. It's taught that the God of the Old Testament is this tyrant that wants to just hurl thunderbolts at us and wants to destroy us. He wants to take us out. But then there's a loving God who's in the New Testament. And his name is Jesus. He's kind. He's friendly. He's kind of like a teddy bear. You can hug him, hug him, hug him and tickle him. He's, he's kind of like Santa Claus in a sense where you just claim it and name it and claim it and uh, blab it and grab it and you can have it. That is what we present the, as, as what the scriptures are saying. But the reality is that this is not the biblical view of God in the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, the God of the Hebrews is a completely different God. The God of the Hebrews is a long-suffering God 
who works with his people in spite of their unfaithfulness. And he loves them regardless of how much they have done wrong and they have forsaken him. And I want to show you some of those images today. In the Old Testament, one of the images that represents our relationship with God and one of the images that is used to talk about God is God as a husband. God as a husband. Uh, um, and, and this has, we must understand the context of the Old Testament to understand what this is referring to. It's referring to certain aspects of our relationship with God. That's why this metaphor of a husband is used. So God is like a protector. God is like a provider. God is like a defender. And God is like a, a husband who is jealous. He sees his wife in Egypt, and we are his wife. We are his people. He sees his wife being abused by another man, Pharaoh in the Old Testament, and God gets jealous. God gets so angry that he rises to the scene and he protects his bride and he delivers them out of Egyptian bondage. He carries them on eagle's wings and he rescues them from the difficulties that they are in. This is the image of God in the Old Testament. He's a husband. He's a provider. He's a protector. And, and, and I want you to see that throughout the Old Testament, that this metaphor as God, as a husband, is used. If you can go to the screen, in Isaiah 54, verse 5, it kind of says it explicitly. Look at it there. Isaiah chapter 54, verse 5, it says, For your maker is your husband. The Lord of hosts is his name. And the Holy One of Israel is your Redeemer, the God of the whole earth, he is called. Here Isaiah just says it out explicitly. God is likened unto our husband. Look at this. In Jeremiah chapter 31 verse 32. And this is in the middle of the old and the new covenant. And, and, and here as Jeremiah expresses his thoughts about the difference that's going to be between the old covenant and new covenant. Look at what he says. He says, it will not be, that's referring to the covenant, the new covenant, it's not going to be like the old covenant that I made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand to lead them out of Egypt because they broke my covenant although I was a husband to them, declares the Lord. Here we see in both Jeremiah and Isaiah that God likens his relationship to his people like a husband to a wife. But this is not just for the Old Testament. It's also carried over into the New Testament. Look at this. In 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 2, this is what Paul writes. He says, For I feel a divine jealousy for you. Since I betrothed you, that means you, I have got you engaged to one husband to present you as a pure virgin to who? To Jesus Christ. And so here we see that God clearly is pictured as a husband to his bride, which is us, the church. Look at the book of Revelation now. Look at Revelation chapter 19, 
verses 7 and 9. Here's what the scriptures say. It says, let us rejoice and be glad and give glory to him for the marriage of the lamb has come. Now, now in the Bible, who is pictured as the lamb? It is Jesus. Matter of fact, in the book of Revelation, on multiple occasions, in chapter 4, in chapter 8, I believe, here in chapter 19, Jesus is pictured as a lamb. And it says, the lamb has come and his bride has made herself ready. Who is the bride? We are the bride, his people. The bride has made herself ready. Then he said to me, write, blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, these are true words of God. So I hope you see it there. In both the Old Testament and the New Testament, God is pictured as a husband. But here's what we must understand. We've got to go a little deeper. And so I hope you're following me now. What we need to understand about the biblical view of God as a husband is that God is a husband that is like no other husband. Why do you say that, Pastor Barnes? Because, you see, typically in society, it is the woman who is faithful and the husband who's not faithful. Typically, I know it always in that way, but, but typically, and, 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 and over the years in society, it has actually almost been like assumed that men will cheat. When I was uh, growing up, I, I, I used to listen to this song by a group called Monskep or, or, or a singer named Monskep, and the lyrics to the song went this way, he's mine, you made a had him once, but I got him all the time. You can't sleep at night because he's mine. You may have had him once, but I got him all the time. And that was a popular song. That was a very popular song back in the day. And it's basically saying that I know my dude cheated, but I got him right now. It's assumed that the guy's going to cheat. Not only that, but if you look back in the day to a song by Diana Ross, uh, I, 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 I was... Um, working out in the gym one day, and, and, and I heard this song, and I heard the lyrics, and I was like, what? That's what these lyrics are saying? Look, there's a song by Diana Ross. It says, upside down, inside out, around and round, you're turning me upside down. Boy, you're turning me inside out, and round and round, upside down. Boy, you're turning me inside out, and around and round. Instinctively, listen to these words, instinctively, you've got me uh, the love that I need. I cherish the moments with you. Respectfully, I say to thee that I'm aware that you're cheating on me when no one makes, but no one makes me feel like you do. Now today, the women have changed. <laughs> today, the woman like, <laughs> if you cheat, I'm a cheat. <laughs> if you mess around, I'm a mess around. But historically, it has been this way that it is expected that the woman is faithful and the husband is unfaithful. But here is the amazing thing about the picture of God. The amazing thing about the picture of God is that while the bride is not faithful, God 
is always faithful. He's different than any kind of husband. He is always consistent. He always cares. He always loves. He always has your back. He always has your support. He's always there. And it's the bride who cheats on him. You know it's the truth. That we're not always faithful to God. We're not always doing what's right. We dabble into sin. We put other idols before him. Yet in spite of it all, the goodness of God is that God is always faithful. This is the story of the Old Testament. Where God, when you look particularly in the prophets, in, in the kings and chronicles, you see that, 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 that God is always complaining about his people, that you all are being unfaithful to me, that I'm always there for you, but you all are always rejecting me. You're chasing other lovers, but God is always faithful. And here's the thing. Here's the thing that we need to understand, that there is actually a term that is used to describe God's faithfulness. And the term that is used to describe God's faithfulness is the word hased. Hased. This is the word that's used to describe God's covenant faithfulness. Uh, in other words, in other words, this is the word that describes how God is, that he is always faithful. Uh, 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 throughout Scripture, this is the description of who God is, that God has always been there, that God has always been faithful. And, and look at this, look at this. If you look at Psalms 136, we read it for you a little earlier. If you read Psalms 136, this is the psalmist who is just celebrating and praising and riffing about God's covenant faithfulness, God's I said, look at this again. It says, oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy. That word mercy right there is actually the word I said. It's talking about God's covenant faithfulness. It says his mercy, and then notice how long God's love, God's mercy, God's said. look how long it lasts. Oh, glory be to God. It says that his mercy, come on, I wish I had a church in here today. Because it says that God's mercy, it endures forever. God has said it endures forever. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord for he is good and his has said his mercy it endures forever. Oh, I wish there were some people today who could just glorify God, that we have a faithful God, that his mercy endures forever. The sun can go up and the sun can go down, but his mercy endures forever. The, the, the seasons can change, but guess what? God does not change. His mercy endures forever. The year may change, but God still remains the same. His mercy, it endures forever. And this is the good news about God today. 
The good news about God is that God is always faithful. And what that means is that God is always faithful to keep his promises. That is what it means when God is faithful. And we see this beginning with Abraham. God promised a 75-year-old man that he would bless him, that he would make his name great, that he would multiply his seed so that his seed, his descendants, would be like the stars that are in the sky and the sand that's on the seashore. He said, look, Abraham, I'm going to bless you so that those who bless you will be blessed and those who curse you will be cursed. This is what God promised Abraham. And I want you to know today that God was faithful to his promise He took little old Abraham, 75 years old, and he multiplied him into a father of many nations. God is faithful to his promises. Check this out. I was was reading for my devotion in the book of Numbers yesterday, and and there is this story that I read that's just unbelievable because uh, Moses and God are having a dialogue. Uh, And they're having this dialogue because the people are upset. The people are complaining, Elder Howard. They're they're, they're complaining, and and, and they're complaining because um, the people want to have some meat. They're tired of eating that manna. Matter of fact, they look at that manna and they say, what is this? That they're used to the, the meat that they had in Egypt. They used to have some Popeye's chicken in, in, in Egypt. They, 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 they had some uh, KFC in Egypt. They had some JJ's fish in Egypt. But now they, they, they are frustrated because they don't have that now. And they're like, Moses, we want some meat. We are tired of this manna. And Moses is just overwhelmed. He goes to God. And God sees how overwhelmed Moses is, so he simply says to Moses, Moses, hey, check this out. Moses, here's what I want you to do. Uh, I'm going to take your spirit off of you, and I'm going to put it on the 70 elders. And, and they're going to be able to help you carry the load because the leader can't carry the load all by himself. There needs to be a team around the leader to help the leader along the journey. And so God takes his spirit off of Moses, and he puts it on to the other people. And then God says to Moses, okay? Check this out, Moses. The people, they want meat. And so guess what? I'm going to give them some meat. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to give them some meat, not for a day, not for a week, but I'm going to give them enough meat to eat for an entire month. And I could just see Moses because Moses pulls out his calculator (laughs) and Moses begins to tabulate. (laughs) Moses says this. Moses says, God if, if, if all of the fish in the sea, check this out, Moses says, if all of the fish in the sea were brought, there is not enough fish in the sea to feed all these people. Moses says, if every bird was not out of the sky, there are not enough birds in the sky to feed all these people. I hope you're getting it there because the Bible tells us that it started with a man named Abraham who had no children, but God is so faithful. But by the time Moses comes around, he says that there are so many people that God, 
even all the fish in the ocean can't feed all these people. Moses says, they're just, they're, they're actually 600,000 men who are ready for war. That's not all the men. There's just 600,000 men that are ready for war. And then he says, look, he says, look, there are actually men who are too young for war, and then there are men who are too old for war. And then we've got to count in the women. In other words, it started off with just one man and one woman, and God multiplied it so that by the time that Moses comes around, that they're over 3.5 million people. God is faithful. And here is the principle that I want us to understand. The Bible is trying to teach us. Here is the nugget. If you don't get anything else, I pray you get this. That God and the scriptures are trying to teach us that what love really means is that you are making a commitment to be faithful. Love is really a promise to someone that I'm going to be faithful to you no matter what. That's why the, the covenant that we make is through sickness and in health, through good times and in bad times, till death do us part, I will be faithful. And check this out. That faithfulness is not based upon your partner. Oh, have mercy today. <laughs> I know folk would be booing if they were in the house today. <laughs> that, 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 that faithfulness, that consistency is not based upon your partner. Look at the Old Testament. God still loved his people even when they were unfaithful. What God is trying to teach us is that love is not this romantic feeling. Love is not just this googly eyes that you get. Love is a principle. Love is a commitment that you will be faithful to love and to cherish that person, to be kind, to be patient, to be tender, to be long-suffering with that person regardless of what that person does, regardless of the circumstances. It's not saying, I'm going to be faithful until. It's not saying that I'm going to be faithful unless. It is saying that we will always be faithful. And that's why marriage is actually really designed to make us more like God. That's what the purpose of marriage really is. Marriage is designed to make us more like God. And trust me, there is no other institution that will press you and will challenge you and will mold you and scrape you to become more like God. Marriage will refine you to make you more like God. There's nothing else on earth that does it like that. Marriage is about character formation that prepares you to be more like God and to be ultimately ready for his kingdom when
he comes. And the truth of the matter is that if more people saw this as what marriage really was, you know what would happen? There would be less people who wanted to be married. In other words, we don't get married just to have sex. We don't get married just because you're lonely. No, marriage is because I'm making a commitment to love this person regardless of what goes on. That's what marriage and that's what love really is. It's a real deal, authentic commitment to love. To love regardless. Just to say, like Ruth did, entreat me not to leave me. Wherever you go, I will go. Wherever you lodge, I will lodge. Your people will be my people, and your God will be my God. And if we understood it like that, we would understand why Paul actually encourages believers not to get married. He actually says in 1 Corinthians, read chapter 7 of 1 Corinthians, and you'll see. He actually says, I encourage you to stay just like me. I encourage you to stay single because if you're single, then I want you to know that you won't have the, 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 the pain and the heartache and the suffering that's inevitably going to come as you are married. Because sometimes that Negro is going to act up. Come on now. <laughs> and guess what? Sometimes you're going to act up. Sometimes you're going to act a fool. But there must be just some momentary excitement that goes away. It is a principle. It is a decision. It is a commitment that I will love you regardless of what the other person says. Regardless of that time when their decibel raises. Regardless of those moments where you are feel handpecked.
And the, the crazy thing about Scarlet is that Scarlet is chasing back and forth for love. She's actually chasing a man that does not love her. She's pursuing uh, the love of a man who does not love her. Uh, um, she, she, she's, she's pursuing Ashley and, 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 and she gets married to spite Ashley to make him jealous. And then that husband dies. Then after that, she gets married for money and, and then that does not work out. And all the time that she's getting married and, and, and chasing these other loves, there is a man by the name of Rhett. And Rhett loves her. Rhett uh, is madly in love with Scarlett. He wants to give her uh, his all. And the entire movie, Scarlett is after Ashley. She is chasing this love that she cannot have. And it's not till the very end of the movie that Scarlett realizes that Ashley does not love her. He loves someone else. And by that time, Brett's love has been spurned so much that the love that she could have had that you have. I believe that partner today is saying that I love you. I'm giving you my all. And rather than looking at all the other places to try and get satisfaction, instead of looking to pornography, instead of looking to uh, the, 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 the things, the relationships that are outside of your marriage, instead of looking to all those things, why not look to the love that is in front of you and to cherish the love that you have? Because before you know it, you can see that the love that you're after is gone with the wind. So today, to every married couple that's out there, the word simply is to be faithful and to cherish the faithfulness that you see in your spouse. And I believe that will bring, become a start to bring the healing in your marriage. It will start to bring that healing in your relationship when you begin to cherish the love that you have for each other, the love that's being demonstrated. And if that love hasn't been demonstrated, I pray that you give the opportunity at this time for that love to be rekindled, for that love to be demonstrated in your But then there is another love that's out there, and that is the love that God has for you. I pray today that you would not spurn the love that God has for you. I pray that you would be willing to cherish the love, the desperate love that God has for you. This is the love of Jesus Christ that he definitely
that you've demonstrated would be the love that we have for each other, the love that we would show to each other, the love that only God has. So much that he has set the example for us that we should love how he loves. And Father, today I pray that, that some couple today would see this love and, and, and Father, I pray that this love would transform and mold the heart. And Father, I, I pray today that, that, that some marriage that's on the rocks would, would, would decide that, you know, before I throw in the towel, let me love like God loves. Let me cherish just how God cherishes me. Father, we pray that today. And I pray that the love that you have for us would not be spurned. But I pray, Father, that we would cherish that love that you have for us so that we would be blessed. That we would experience the joy, the peace, and the happiness that only you can give us. In the name of Jesus the Christ, we pray together. Amen and amen. As Elder Howard uh, is here, he's come up for prayer. I just, I just want to encourage blessed by this word today, I encourage you to share it with somebody else so that they're blessed because it is more blessed to give than to receive. And so share, please share this message with someone else so that they would be blessed, that their relationship would be blessed, and that we would have the type of marriages that God wants us to have today. May God bless you. What love center of our life and we'll really understand and we'll receive that joy that comes from him being the center of our life. As we prepare to close right now, I would just like to share a scripture with you and that scripture comes from Joshua chapter 1 verse 9 and it says have not I commanded you be strong and of good courage. Be not afraid, neither be uh, you dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Let us pray. Our Father, which art in heaven, we thank you so much for your messenger, Pastor Trevor Barnes, and the message that you have given to us May we take it to heart this morning. And as we prepare to leave this place, as we prepare to end our streaming, oh, Father, we just want you to go with us as we go our separate ways, to be with us, and to bring us back together again as your time is appointed. We pray in Jesus' name. Now close this service with your continual love. In Jesus' name we pray.